step up. Like, it's just been getting better and better. A lot of that has to do with Caroline and her fantastic help in, in leading as well. So, so thank you. And it, it's been, and she'll actually be leading this Wednesday. So if you're tired of hearing me say anything, talk and stuff, then you can come here. She'll be this, this Wednesday and next Wednesday, right? Because I won't even be here next Wednesday. So if you just like, you know, you want to hear someone else. And she, she's great as well. So praise the Lord. If there's nothing else, um, we'll, we'll turn to our sermon this morning. And the title of our sermon is Driven by Purpose. Driven by purpose, coming from Luke chapter 4. Um, before we jump in, I just want to give us the overarching theme, the overarching like, hey, this is what I want us to walk away from if we don't get anything else from this text. And it's this, okay? Jesus clearly defines or communicates his purpose, right? His mission, his purpose. And he invites us to share this purpose or mission with us. This is where I wanted you to jump around for me. If you, if you can find it, there it is right there. Um, Jesus clearly defines or communicates his purpose and his mission, and he invites us, he, he, he calls us as followers of Christ to join him in this mission of purpose. And that's what we're going to talk about from Luke chapter 4, where Jesus clearly defines his mission, and then by inference, how we can join in with him. So we're coming from Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 21, and then uh, I'll read it, we'll pray, and then we'll jump in. So Luke chapter 4, chapter 4 verse 14 through 21 says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the, in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. Amen. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, he, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was, ha- was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And this is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me, friends. God, Father, we are grateful that you have saw fit to keep us another week and bring us back together to worship together. And and Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would grant me clarity of communication this morning through your power, with your help. That, Lord, what you want to share with your people will come forth without hindrance. And, Lord, I pray that you would accomplish in every heart and every mind, every person that is here, those who are at, at home join us virtually, Lord God, exactly what you desire to accomplish in our life. God, I pray that you would, you would challenge us, you would convict us, you would inspire us, you would encourage us. Lord God, I pray that you would save us this morning. Lord, we give you the glory and the honor, Father, because indeed you are worthy. All this we ask in Jesus' matchless name. Amen and amen. So, 20 years ago, we're all about to feel really old right now. 20 years ago, in 2002, a book came out that took the entire world by storm. Not just the church world, the entire world. It sold, I think it's somewhere in the top 10 list of, of most books ever sold. Anybody know what that book is? The Purpose Driven Life, back in 2002. It should come up here. 
Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. And like I said, this book took the world by storm, right? Every book study, whether it was inside or outside the church, seemed to have been studying this book. Every person you came across had something to say about this book. It was, it was immense. And if we think about the circumstances surrounding the book, can everybody remember what, what had just happened before it came out? 9-11 had just happened. And then when the book was finally published, we, are, we were on the brink of entering the longest war in history in Afghanistan. So people were ripe for this kind of study, right? Everybody was asking the question, what am I here for and what am I supposed to be doing? What in the world does God have me here for, right? Because we all thought the world was about to end, right? Tell the truth. We all thought this was in. We were trying to figure out with these last few moments of our life, what are we supposed to be doing so that when Jesus comes back, we're on his good side and we go to the good place, right? We were all trying to figure this out. And so everyone was reading this book. I remember me. I, I left the teens class and went to the, the, the grown-ups class just so I could study about this book in church. But everybody was, 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 was reading the book, and we were all asking the question, why has God put us here, and what does he want me to do? Here is the irony about that. The premise or the point of the book was that those were not the right questions to ask. The premise of the book was that the better questions to ask were, where is God at work, and how can we join him? And I'd agree that those are better questions largely because for a lot of reasons, but largely because it causes us, it helps us to avoid the temptation of assuming that just because we don't know exactly what we're supposed to be doing, we don't do anything at all, right? And it's important that we avoid that temptation largely because, think, imagine if we live that way. We don't know exactly what job we're supposed to be doing, so we just don't work at all. We don't know where we're supposed to be going to school, so we just don't go to school at all. Notice the, the air quotations. I use the air quotes because the reality is, for most of us, we don't really just someday, at a magical moment, arrive at knowing exactly what we're called to do, exactly what we're supposed to be doing, right? For most of us, that's a journey, right? The Lord takes us through this prayerful journey to where we eventually find that, okay, I'm leaning into how God has uniquely created me. That, or maybe that's just Leon. Maybe most of you have had those epiphany moments. But that's typically how it goes, right? And I don't mean, hear this again, I am not saying that we're not supposed to be prayerful, asking the Lord for what we're supposed to be doing. That's not what I'm saying. We should be doing that. But just understand that just because we don't know exactly what we're supposed to be doing, it's not an excuse to not do anything. Listen, being in the kingdom, right, means that you're in the game. If you are following the Lord Jesus Christ, then there is no sideline. If you're following him, then you're on the field. You're on the court. You're in the game. You got to get busy serving. Doing, it's not a spectator thing, right? There are no stands in the kingdom. We're all in the court. And so we're called to get busy serving where we, at, where, where we can. You know the old adage, see a need, fill a need. That's what we're called to do. As Christians. Now, here's the cool thing about the passage we're looking at this morning. Jesus takes some of the guesswork out of it for us, right? And he does this by clearly defining 
his purpose. He does this by, in reference to the Purpose Driven Life book, telling us pretty clearly in no uncertain terms where he is busy at work and by inference how we can get busy joining him. He tells us with a great deal of clarity. And so that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at where Jesus is busy at work. What is he doing? And essentially, how do we join him? Where should we be busy at work? Wherever we find our lives, wherever you are on that journey of what am I exactly supposed to be doing? How can you get busy right where you are? Because let me tell you, Jesus is at work right where you are. He is at work right where you are. And before we get there, let's take a quick look at the passage. Just set this up before we get to where we're going. So the passage begins by telling us that Jesus is coming up out of the wilderness, the desert. And essentially what was happening there was that the 40 days of fasting where Jesus was tempted by the devil. And he comes up out of that season, out of that desert. And Luke tells us that he comes out in the power of the spirit. There's something about a wilderness experience that fills us with the power of the spirit. That's all I'm going to say about that. There's something about the difficult seasons in our lives that God takes us through, that he uses them to fill us with his power. And so Jesus comes out of this wilderness experience in the power of the spirit. And it says when he comes out, the first thing he does is he's traveling through the regions that he's in and he's going to the synagogues and he's preaching. And eventually he arrives at his hometown where he grew up in Nazareth. And the first thing he does, as was his custom, he goes to the synagogue. Now, a synagogue was the Jewish meeting place. It was like the Jewish church, if you will. It was, it's, it's not exactly like what we do here. It's not the same, but there's, there's some similarities. There's some things that weren't similar. But in a nutshell, how a service would go on the Sabbath or the Saturday of synagogue worship, they would get together They would sing some songs like we do. They would read some scripture. They would pray. And then what would happen? A a respected rabbi or teacher would be invited to read something from the scroll or the Bible, the scriptures, if you will, the Old Testament. He would read and then he would sit down while everyone else remained standing. I really like the way they did it back then. He would sit down while everyone else remained standing and he would give he would give a homily or a sermon. On what was read. And that's what Jesus was doing. As the rabbi for this day, he was handed the scroll, he read, and then when he and then he sat down and he gave what I believe is the first recorded sermon in scripture. Some people think that it's the Mount is a sermon on the Mount that's his first recorded scripture. I think Luke is telling us that this is it, and it's a pretty short scripture. You guys are probably like, Man, why don't we all preach like Jesus? All he does is he sits down and what does he say? He says, Today This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I don't think that was all he said. I think that's all that was recorded here. So don't get your hopes up. But he said today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And so I want us to take a look at what Jesus says is fulfilled. What purpose, what mission is he fulfilling? What was he communicating to them in this day? Now, one of the things we do whenever we plan a church, how many of you have planted a church before? There we go. Look at that. That's cool. Or start a business. How many of us started a business before? 
right, or a school or anything like that, one of the first things you do whenever you're starting a business or organization or anything like that is you sit down and you figure out what? The mission. What are we going to, what is the purpose of this business? What's going to be the special thing about this school? What is going to be the purpose of this organization? And I believe what Jesus does in this first sermon, this first recorded sermon, is do just that. He gave his mission statement. This is the first mission. This is, brothers and sisters, hear me. This is the mission statement of the church. Yeah, we come up with our own little pithy things, but listen to this. If the mission statement of the church, if the mission statement of the Christ follower is not including what Jesus says here, then guess what? We're not on mission with the Lord. This is the mission statement. And so I want us to take a look at what he says here and how we are to apply it. So let's just read it one more time. Before we go into it, let's read it one more time what he says. Jesus stands up, he's handed the scroll, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back, and sat down. He said, Today... This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In a moment, we'll go through each one of these and how Jesus fulfills it and how we're invited to join him. But I want to talk about two things that actually define the mission before we get to that. And the first thing that we see that defines Jesus's mission is this. Is the fact that Jesus is empowered or driven by the Holy Spirit to accomplish or fulfill his mission. That's the first part of this. In verse 18, it says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. That word anointed means nothing else than empowered, enabled. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Now, let me say this, brothers and sisters, first and foremost, before we we go anywhere else. It is of the utmost importance that any work that we set out to do with anything we set out to do for God, we are seeking the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, the son of God, he himself was empowered by the Holy Spirit to accomplish what it was he was purposed to do. If he needed it, how much more do we need that? We need the Holy Spirit to accomplish the work that God has called us to do. There's a story in the scripture that is really sobering, in my opinion, that talks about the danger of trying to accomplish the work of God in your own powers from Acts chapter 19, verses 13 through 16. And it's where we read the story about the seven sons of Sceva. The seven sons of Sceva, a Jew priest, a Jewish priest. And these seven sons, they decided that they were going to go out and cast out demons out of some demon-possessed people. And what they were doing was they would go up to a demon-possessed person and they would say, in the name of the Jesus that we heard Paul preach, come out of them. In other words, they did not know the Jesus themselves, but they were trying to invoke the name of another name that they heard through somebody else. They they had no relationship to this Jesus, but they themselves were trying to do something in their own power. Right? 
Neither, not only did they not know the Jesus, but they didn't have the spirit that empowered them. And listen to what happened to them because they tried to do this in their own power. They tried to invoke a name that they knew nothing about. The demon-possessed man looks at them and he says, Jesus I know, Paul I know about, but who are you? And then the demon-possessed man jumped on them, and the scripture tells us that he beat them so bad that they ran out of the house bloody and naked. In other words, this man beat the brakes off them, right? Friends, it doesn't matter whatever we we set out to do for the Lord, whatever we feel called to do for God, difficulties will come with that, okay? Hardships will come, there will be hurdles, there will be roadblocks. That's just what it means to live in a broken world. However, however, when we find that during whatever we're setting out to do, we're continually beat over the head, we just can't seem to get there, nothing seems to work out, it's a wise practice, practice for us to step back and ask ourselves, Are we trying to accomplish this thing in our own power? It's a wise question for us to ask, is the reason I keep getting beat down here because this is not, uh, because I'm trying to do this without the power of God? And there's there's a few questions we can ask to see if that's the case. And the first question is this, am I being faithful in prayer? Am I being faithful in prayer? Prayer in and of itself is an act of faith that displays dependence on God to accomplish for us and through us what we are not capable of accomplishing on our own. On the other side of that, a lack of prayer, brothers and sisters, is an indication of self-reliance over God-reliance. Being faithful to pray continually about the mission that you sense God has called you to is a declaration, a proclamation that you are relying on the Holy Spirit, the power of God to accomplish this through you, and you're not relying on your own power. So the first thing is, am I being faithful in prayer? The second question is simply this, am I being humble? Am I being humble? Are you willing to admit that maybe you're wrong? Are you willing to admit that maybe this is not what you're called to do? Are you willing to admit that you've been going about it the wrong way? There needs to be a course correction. There needs to be a a doubling back, right? Or, Or maybe, do you think that this thing will only get done if you do it, that somehow you're the main cog in God's machine and God's wheel? Is this about your glory or is this about God's glory? The second question is, am I being humble? And the last question to ask, if you're thinking, am I trying to do this in my own power? The last question is this, am I trying to do this alone? And that's closely related to that second question about humility, right? Are you leaning on the community that God has placed around you to accomplish this? Is it more important that this thing be done by me than anyone else? Is it more important that it be done on my terms, the way I want it to be done? 
Or am I seeking to use, utilize the gifts, the strengths, and the wisdom of faithful people that God has placed around me to accomplish his work? Friends, as I prepared this sermon, this, this came to me, and, and, um, and I, I just think that it, it, is, it is extremely helpful in this particular trying to discern this. Delegation and teamwork is an admission that we cannot do God's work on our own. On the other hand, delegation and teamwork is a submission to fulfilling our role as a member of the larger body of Christ, a body of which we are not the head, but Jesus is. So these three questions. Am I being faithful in prayer? Am I being humble? Can I admit that I'm wrong? And lastly, am I trying to accomplish this on my own? And so now we see first that Jesus' mission is driven by the Holy Spirit, right? He's empowered by the Spirit to, to accomplish it. So we ought to seek the empowerment of the Spirit. Don't do it on our own. And the second thing is simply this. It is Jesus' purpose and his mission. Jesus' mission is to proclaim the good news of the gospel. That's his mission. Jesus' mission is to proclaim the good news of the gospel. The rest of verse 18 reads, to proclaim good news to the poor, period. Now, I know what questions we have right now, right? Pastor Mac, some of you guys are reverent. You said Father Mac. So you say, Father Mac, are you saying then that I am only supposed to preach, that Christians are only supposed to preach? Are you saying that the answer is just in preaching the gospel, just pour some Jesus juice on every problem? Is that what you're saying? No. That is not at all what I'm saying, and neither is that what Luke is saying, neither is that what Jesus is saying. When we read the Bible, it's clear that Jesus and his followers do a whole lot more for people than just preach to their problems. Amen? He does a whole lot more than just try to preach and teach some stuff into and out of people. But what I think this passage is communicating to us is that everything that comes after verse 18 are necessary endeavors or necessary fruit of truly faithful gospel proclamation. Everything that comes after is faithful gospel proclamation. And for each of the groups that Jesus mentions, for each of the things that he talks about doing as a part of his mission, is in re- there's a reference to the physical condition, right? The place where we can join in, as well as a spiritual condition, doing the things that only God can do. And our help, and, and the way we join him there is through prayer. We ask God to do those things. So what we see here, brothers and sisters, is we go through what Jesus says. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is good news to the poor, right? Those who are impoverished spiritually as God promises to grant them great riches in heaven. But it's also good news to those who are poor physically. Why? Because we are compelled, we are invited, those of us who have, to join him in providing for those who have not. Amen. The gospel is good news because Jesus promises freedom and life through the spirit to those who are bound by law and bound by sin. 
But in the same way, brothers and sisters, Jesus' proclamation of the gospel is freedom to those who are bound physically in prison because those who are free are called to not forget them and to go visit them and care for them however we can. As I read this sermon, I had to ask myself, when was the last time I visited a prison? When was the last time I... Visiting the prisoner is central to the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's central. Can we think of any population more forgotten than the prisoner? Brothers and sisters, the gospel is good news. Because through it, those who are blind, their eyes are open to the spiritual reality of righteousness and sin and the love that God has for them. But in the same way, brothers and sisters, the, spirit, the, the, the gospel is good news to those of us who are well so that we can go and visit those who may be blind in their body, who are ill in their body, who are sick and shut in, who cannot come to us, so that we can provide care for them and care for them in their illness and their ailments. Friends, listen, the gospel is good news because at every turn and in every way, Jesus is redeeming this world and all of its brokenness, and he invites us and calls us in to share that mission and purpose with him. Let me say this to you, brothers and sisters. Uh, over these past, feels like an eternity, but over these past couple of years, particularly these past few months, have not, a week has not gone by where I've gotten a call or a text or an email or something of someone who's suffering in some way. Someone who is ill with COVID, someone who is ill with cancer, someone who is struggling with something, someone asking for counseling, some, right here in our church. I get these emails, not, not outside, right here. And so here's a question I have for us. This, is, this, this can help us to figure out if we're really seeking to join Jesus where he's at work. Do you know what somebody in this church who sits with you every Sunday is going through? Or do you have no idea what anybody here is going through? Do you know what your brothers and sisters here are going through? If you don't, and I don't mean to make anybody feel too guilty or anything like that, but if you don't know what your brothers and sisters here are going through, it's a good question to ask, am I seeking to join Jesus where he's at work? Because he's at work right here. There's so much need right here. There's so many people struggling right here. And if you have no idea what your brother or sister is going through right here, then it's probably a good question to say, man, am I missing where you're at work right here? Here, Jesus, right where we are. Do you know how to pray for someone specifically, what they're seeking for? Do you have a prayer request for anybody? Do, do you, I mean, these are just questions to ask. Again, not trying to guilt anyone. It's a call for us to join Jesus where he's at work. Amen? Consider your own homes, your, 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 where you live, your neighbors. Do you know what your neighbors are going through? Do you know how you can be praying for them? Do you know what you can be doing for them? Do they have any needs? These are the questions we ask. 
as we seek to join the Lord in his purpose. For you see, this, brothers and sisters, this gospel proclamation, this is the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ, and this is the mission that we are called to join him in. Amen? I want to give us some homework this week. This week, I want you to try to not make it through this entire week, okay? Don't, don't, don't get through this week without knowing at least one way that you can pray for or serve a brother, and si- a brother or sister right here in the church. I say that specifically for members who are members or regular attendees. I get that. If you're not, you're welcome to also join and pray for someone. But this week, find a way to say, hey, I want to prayerfully, uh, specifically pray for this person this way or serve this person in this way. If you don't go to church here and you know, you're just visiting, we're so glad you're here, maybe you can do that in your neighborhood. One neighbor, say, hey, I want to know how I can be praying for him. I know it takes courage to walk up and say, how can I pray for you? You probably don't have to do it that way. You can just go and talk to him and figure it out. But. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together, friends. Dear Lord, I thank you so much again for your word, and I thank you so much again for our people. And I pray, God, that today, um, Lord, you just make it clear in every one of our hearts and minds exactly how you want us to apply what you've said here. Lord, I do ask that we would be we would be encouraged, inspired, Lord, to know each other better, to see where you are at work right among us, where you are bringing healing, where you are bringing deliverance, where you are bringing freedom from oppression, how we can advocate for those who are being oppressed by the darkness in this world, Lord. And Lord, I pray that as we join you, Lord, we would continue to be affirmed, Father God, that we are living in mission, that we are living into the calling, the invitation that you've given us. Lord, we give you the glory and the honor because indeed you are worthy of all praise. In Jesus' name, amen.